Thank you. Good evening. Today is, what is today? June 16th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is how it works. Um, and uh, uh, steps eight and nine, and our speaker tonight is Lizzie V. Thank you, Lizzie. Um, go ahead, you have 20 minutes to share. Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Lizzie and I am a compulsive overeater. And I'm so happy to be here. Amy, thank you so much for asking me to be of service. It's such an honor. Um, I will, I, I, man, I really thought deeply of today about steps eight and nine and thinking about how, um, how these steps work in my life and how my life is transformed because of them. And and I want to get into that, but first, because I see some familiar faces, first of all, and I, I love you. Thank you for coming. And I don't know if you even knew I was speaking, but it feels so good to see familiar faces. And for, there are lots of people here who I don't know. And so I just want to give like a quick, uh, this is you know, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, and then get into it. So um, I am coming, oh, coming up on four and a half years of abstinence. I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous um, because my I was raised in Alcoholics Anonymous. My mom and stepdad met in AA and I um, just had program running around my house all the time. I remember when I was like eight years old, my mom used the G word all the time. And I remember telling her when I was like eight, if you use that word God one more time, I'm running away from home. Like I was so sick of it. Um, I also think there was a lot of associations I made with 12 steps and dysfunction because just because they were sober did not mean they were well, you know, you know, like we say in these rooms, like thin doesn't necessarily mean well, and also dry doesn't necessarily mean well. So there was a lot of chaos in my household. And I, I think I, um, I internalized a lot of that and, and, and made, made the G word responsible for it for a lot, a lot of years. Um, and of course, inside of all of that, there was a lot of abuse, not between my parents, but some step siblings stuff. And um, it impacted me pretty dramatically. And, you know, I went from like a, you know, everybody's story is different. I don't know if I was born a compulsive overeater, but I do know that around the time the abuse started, I found compulsive eating to be very sexy. And um, it, I went from like a normal gang, gangly, whatever that word is, like little kid to fat overnight, it felt like. Um, and thank God for the food because, and I say this all the time, you know, my folks were, were sober. Um, and I was like a raw nerve and I'm so glad those cookies were there and those whatever fill in the blanks and it wasn't heroin on the coffee table or there wasn't a liquor cabinet because if there would have been, I probably would have turned to that stuff. But thank God the, the thing that I had accessible um, was the food because in that, in that time it saved me. And so I just got really accustomed to living from like the neck up. 
I, you know, would do my makeup and my hair and get make, go to school and make sure I was like on, um, but I was really dissociated from my body, you know, as a cheerleader and like wearing size 16, 18 gear skirt and just not aware of any, uh, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And then in high school, my best friend, um, you know, the, the disease accelerates very quickly if you let it, <laughs> if the conditions are right. And my best friend was like, Lindsay, you're so, I grew up in LA. Lindsay, you're so pretty. If you were skinny, you would be like, so pretty. I'm, and she was like this big. And uh, she's like, I'm going to teach you how to be skinny. And we went into a bathroom at a party and she tried to teach me how to throw up. And um, I tried and tried, you guys. I could not find the button. And I, I, had, I had like a little side note. I had 23 surgeries be on my trachea before I was three years old. So I have a lot of scar tissue inside here and in down my lungs. And um, I just, I figured, oh, well, I guess I'm just gonna be fat. And it didn't occur to me that there was any other solution. Um, and then a couple of years later, I had a voice coach tell me he could get me a record deal if I was as big around, this is pinky, again, this metaphor. And that's really for me when the diseased thinking kicked in. Like, yes, I had dissociated a lot before, but the diseased thinking really kicked in around that time when I was like, oh, Maybe I will try to get that size and all sorts of distorted behavior engaged. And, you know, I couldn't throw up, um, but so I just became an exercise bulimic and I just overexercised and I restricted and I took all the pills and shots and potions and th things, um, did lots of illegal drugs. And, you know, I, I you've probably heard this but it's funny, um, you know, they say like speed doesn't necessarily, like, you know, people take speed and their appetite goes away. All it did was make me eat faster. Like there's no, no getting away from this for me, right? Um, so, you know, what happened for me, I'll, and I'll make this little section brief because we've all had our come to away story and it's some, you know, some of them are different than others. Um, I, I was in detox because I went on yet another diet and for whatever reason, what I had been consuming right before the detox was so toxic that when I was in the like cleaning out phase, I had one of those moments, you know, like they, in the big book where they put the drunks in the drunk tank to clear their, clear their brain. I was like sitting on my parents' couch, rocking back and forth with the sweats. And like, it was real violent on my physiology. And my mom came in and she, you know, she recognized the symptoms. She knew exactly what was happening to me, but she also knew like my drug of choice was snack wells. And she um, was like, there's a place for you. You got to go to OA. I was 21 years old. It was almost 20 years ago. Um, so I went and I didn't, I didn't get it at first. It took me several years, but I kept going. I kept trying. I kept getting changing sponsors, trying to get an that's seven. Got it. Thank you, Amy. Um, I kept trying to find the thing. And um, eventually I got it. 
you know, they say, don't leave before the miracle happens. I didn't leave. Um, and inside of that, you know, I got married. I, oh, guess, you know, sure, you're not surprised. I married an alcoholic because that's familiar to me, uh, a practicing alcoholic. And um, also because chaos was familiar to me. And so, like, I just basically recreated my childhood with a, a man who I, to this day, love very deeply. But he's no longer my husband because I, um, I got sober really, really sober. And I had a moment where I was like, Oh God, I'm not doing this anymore. This, that was like seven years ago. So, um, I ended up relapsing in after having almost five years of, of abstinence. And, um, it was not as the thing I want to say about the relapse. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but the relapse ha happened way before the food was in my mouth and it was started in my brain. And, um, I, all the tools are there for a reason. The tools are not abstinence. The tools are not sobriety. The tools help us stay doing the in, inside of the life that gave us a life beyond our wildest dreams. And that's what led to my relapse was slowly letting go of the things that worked and then eventually I woke up one day and was like, oh my God, I'm a hundred pounds overweight. How did that happen? I don't know. Um, and it took me, it was hard. It was hard to get back on track. And then, then of course I had, thank God, I had another white light experience of, of like getting it. And I got, I came back to program fully. It was like, you know, fully conceding to my innermost self that I am a compulsive reader. I came back on my knees and got it and I'm back. So that's what happened. Um, and so I want to talk a little, is what it's like now, you know, I, I just moved to Texas a month ago. I am absolutely charmed by my life today. Like consistently like wake up and go, how is this my life? And it's a direct result of working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous AA as it's outlined in the big book. And um, things are better than I could have ever dreamed them to be, okay? And I don't, yeah, it's really good. And I, and I don't take any of it for granted. So um, my first sponsor back, in, when I came back to program, my sponsor, first sponsor said, um, your life is going to transform. Once it does, you have to keep doing the things that you did to have it transform in order to keep those things. So it, it is not lost on me that going to three meetings a week, making three outreach calls a day, having a sponsor, being, uh, being a sponsor, doing my writing, doing my prayer, doing my meditation. These are important. Having service commitments, these things are the things that got me here. And I want to like, this is the, I want the baseline to stay. So I have to keep doing those things. Um, so steps eight and nine um, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, and then made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So the first part of that, the first part of the first part of step eight is um, 
is some action. You make a list of the people that you have harmed. But step eight is really like, um, it's a, a thing where you plug in to God to, because it doesn't say you t- rush into just jump doing these amends. It says you have to become willing. And how do we become willing? You know, in my experience, um, I was willing to get abstinent, but sometimes there, you know, people, we've seen it up and down seven ways from Sunday that people can be willing to be abstinent and not be able to get it. So how does, how does that work? It's grace in my experience. You know, God is that higher power, whatever your, your concept of God is, um, is the thing that determines how we shift from willingness to our capacity to take action around a thing. So I want to bring my full self to my higher power inside of step eight if I'm bratty, if I'm feeling petulant, if I'm still feeling hurt, if I'm still feeling like self-righteous or whatever, I have to own that because in my spiritual experience, my higher power cannot work with something that's dishonest. I mean, I, I can, my higher power can do whatever, whatever. It's, it's actually God. It's bigger than me, bigger than anyone. But my responsibility is to to become willing to make the amends. And I'm not in charge of that. I'm, I'm in charge of being willing to be willing. Okay, I'm willing to be willing here, God, but I can't manufacture willingness if it's not there. So change my heart. Give me the, the ability to feel willing here. Um, so for me, like my program is 100% hinged on my relationship with my higher power and my meditation practice. Cause I don't, I don't, um, you know, yes, you, the, you can't think your way into right action, but, um, I, I deeply believe that line in the big book that says the, the answers will come if your own house is in order, see to it that your relationship with him, her is right. And the answers will come if your own house is in order. So I make a point every day to spend time in prayer and meditation, listening to what my higher power has what do I need to hear today? And then the second, the second part of that in step nine is made a direct amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. You guys, I had never done this before, but I looked up the definition of amends and apology. And this has shocked me because I'm a words person. I'm a writer. Um, an amend, the root of the word amend is, is Latin, and it means to repair or fix something or correct something. An apology is a speech defending one own, one's own self. That's hugely different. So when we think about making an amends, perfect, thank you. When we think about making an amends for something, are we doing it so that we can like feel better about ourselves and apologize to the person or are we really in integrity with um, with correcting the behavior because we really you know the the big book says like what we're after here is an entire personality rearrangement in order to stay abstinent that's what it says in the appendix the spiritual experience so if I'm after a personality rearrangement when I work the steps, um, I'm not gonna just apologize that this person's off my case. 
I want to really take responsibility for whatever character defect I partook in that caused the harm and, and make a commitment before this person, my higher power and myself that I am not doing this anymore. And I want to take responsibility for the harm that I caused. The other piece of this is, did I actually cause harm or am I, was I just being an asshole and shit talking in my head? Because those ones are actually quite harmful when you take, you know, make an amends. I want to make an amends for gossiping about you. Like, girl, that is harmful. Just the amends is harmful. N no, we, we, it's, a, it's a really fine line. And this is a beautiful thing about working with a sponsor to figure out like, to sometimes we can't tell the difference. It's, it can be foggy in there. So we don't work these steps alone. Um, and you know, the, the, the couple things I, well, I'll share this one story because this is how an example of how my life has, has, you know, the, the ninth step promises have come true for me because of specifically making amends. Um, I've been around a long time. And so inside of um, this 20, almost 20 year stretch, like I'm aware of how holding on to resentment will kill me. Um, but I had this one lingering one with a person who wrote me off uh, because in my divorce, I behaved badly. And so when I was time for me to do my first round of amends in this my first ninth step in this abstinence, um, I worked really hard with my sponsor to write a clean, kind, succinct letter and call her and call this woman up. Uh, this was my ex-sister-in-law. And um, I delivered the amends. It was short. It was like 30 seconds. So like, you know, they don't have, they're not these protracted speeches. They're just real clean and clear to the point. And after that, she proceeded to tell me, you know, she was sobbing because she had waited a long time to hear this amends apparently. And then she told me all the ways that I jacked, I screwed up. And she, she had like a list of things to, t to tell me. And, you know, I could receive it because I could, he I, could, I could honestly feel the impact of my behavior. And I wanted to know these things because I really wanted, I really didn't want to carry around these character defects that cause me, cause harm. Um, and I, we got off the phone. I was, I was really heavily impacted by that. And I never thought I would talk to her again. Three months ago, I got a message through my website from her saying, basically, she had a dream about me and she wanted to know if we could connect. And um, we got together over Zoom and she actually lives in Austin here with me and by me. And she invited me to go take our dogs to the dog park a week and a half ago. We got to sit on this low wall, this low stone wall and cry and connect and like, because my heart was open to hers, I could receive her, the impact of my behavior and I really have amended that behavior. So I wasn't coming to the connection with a bunch of resentment or with a bunch of self-righteousness and we're getting together again in another week and a half. Like we were best friends for, you know, 10 years before and have gone like seven years really without contact. And, um, and this program is the reason 
It's the reason I, in my own blueprint, do not have that capacity wired in here to be like Mother Teresa. It's not who I am. Things can roll off me, because, mostly because I have a good pattern of dissociation. But for the most part, like, you know, I am one of you. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm activated by lots of things. And I have a program that is a blueprint for living, a way for me to show up in the world and in relationships that allows me to repair what's broken and to do so in a way that's like full of grace and dignity. Um, and that's just like one tiny story about how my life has been impacted by steps eight and nine. Can you even imagine like, and you guys all have your own stories. So I would say I'll, like, I'm getting close to the end here. So I'll just say, um, I'm eager to hear your stories about how eight and nine is working in your lives. Um, I'm eager to hear your anxiety. If you have some, I was terrified of it before I had to do it. And it's a lot scarier in theory than it is in practice. And man, nothing quite builds your sense of integrity in this program than working the steps, sense of self-esteem and working the steps. Um, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful that you asked me, Amy, and thank you to everyone for your service. And I will turn it over back to uh, Wendy, I think. Thank you so much, Lizzie. That was really, really beautiful. Oh, I so appreciated that. Oh, okay, back to my script. Um, <laughs> we will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host, Michelle, will call the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper, Amy, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, um, thank, first of all, thank you so much, Team Wendy, uh, Team Wednesday, including Wendy and Michelle. Thank you, everybody's doing service. Thank you so much, Lizzie. That was, uh, that was wonderful, that was amazing. I took a whole ton of notes. Lots of things jumped out at me. Chaos was familiar. That is, you know, real. Um, and maybe it's why, I'll speak for myself, maybe it's why I had so many amends to make piled up because I courted chaos. When you said, thank you, thank you for saying that relapse started before the food was in your mouth. It is so important to recognize. Somebody used to say in a meeting that I went to, and I'm sure several people have, that um, uh, the relapse is the caboose on the train. It's the last thing to come through. And our program, plugging into God, living in 10, 11, and 12, all of the steps on the way, teach us to even start to feel the rumble on the tracks before the train even, and throw that signal or step back or whatever it is. Um, and then I also wanted to say thank you so much for talking about that you had amended the behavior and that's what allowed for a different relationship. So I'm actually gonna double dip and tack a question on. You spoke specifically about um, 
when you've done, when you've gossiped about somebody, for instance, and to make the direct amends would be harmful. Could you suggest a different way with the goal of amending our behavior to sort of make an indirect amends in a situation like that or, or any other one where a direct amends perhaps would be harmful? Thank you again. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a great question. So, um, I, I think of gossiping as the, the character defect of gossiping shows up as cowardice in a lot of ways. Um, like you're willing to, not you, but you're, a person's willing to engage in, in like shady side talking about somebody else, but they're not saying it to the person's face. And so again, because my, my, my spiritual rearrangement is not something that I show, have to show up for. I would, I would recommend like asking for the opposite of cowardice when I'm in prayer. So boldness, I would say. And then when I find myself in situations where gossip is tempting to like boldly claim, like, I'm not going to participate in this and, and to get, to get up and remove myself, like a living amends really does can. And it's not only for yourself, like that can stop a, a really big train of gossip or any behavior, really, if you're participating in that can be harmful. It, it will stop people in their tracks. People are not used to hearing that, especially if you're doing it with love, you know, like, I'm sorry, this isn't a conversation I'm willing to participate in. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much. That was yeah. great. Next up, we have Nancy V. Hey everyone, Nancy Compulsivator. So grateful to be here tonight, Lizzie. Thank you so much. Um, boy, I too related so much to your story and appreciate um, what you shared, especially about the relapse. And um, it's really been, uh, I, I guess, on my mind a lot lately. Not relapse, but 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 how to avoid relapse um, because I can now now I'm in you know, living in 10, 11, and 12, I'm sponsoring someone I just started sponsoring. And, um, you know, I realized the responsibility of that and grateful for that opportunity. And I'm not like, you know, in the past, I was always like, oh, yeah, you know, I got this down. And now I'm like turning to my sponsor, asking questions and getting guidance. And um, I'm just so grateful for a, a good sponsor and lots of guidance in that area. Um, but what I realized it's that daily work. I was, uh, I'm, I'm doing 10 steps on a regular basis. And what I found is that it makes me so much aware of the agitation throughout the day. And now it's almost my first thought when I start feeling agitated or upset, my first thought is um, what's going on with me? You know, where's my part in this? And it's immediately what, what selfishness, you know, where am I being selfish? And boy, I'm so grateful for that. It's just becoming more of a, that's just how I think. And then I was really kind of grumpy about having to do this nightly review. And, um, and I was being really kind of short on it, you know, not much detail. My sponsor called me out on it. And again, so grateful for her guidance because I really am now like doing the daily review and thinking about it. And I have a prayer I say before it, and I just ask God to, to help me review my day, to open my eyes and, um, and show me, you know, show me the truth. And in terms of um, 
eight and nine, I have amends to make my mostly to my family. And I'm going to be seeing them this year. I haven't seen them like in two years. And, uh, and, you know, I really want to not make those amends. I just want to sweep it under the carpet because they're, they're not, it's not like significant stuff. It, I just want to minimize. And, you know, what you said is, is vital. It's not about, um, yeah, what it's about is how do I want to change my behavior? You know, where do I need to change my behavior? And, um, and it's about, you know, mending those relationships. So thank you so much for everything that you shared. I just, I love your voice. It is so gentle. Thank you. And I'll pass with that. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, first, I'd like to make an amends to the group for all of my technical difficulties, which um, I just truly appreciate your patience and that this is a safe space uh, that we get to make mistakes and all of that. So love it. Um, Lizzie, I, I heard your share once before in a different meeting and I, I resonated before, uh, but tonight there were about four or five different things where I just felt like it was straight from my higher power. I also, um, I, your discussion about relapse and um, that it is at the end of the train really touched me. I am a baby in a way and in, in recovery still. Um, and I'm on vacation for the first time and I'm coming home soon, which I'm really excited about. But, you know, when you mentioned relapse started before, I thought, you know, well, I, I didn't want to do my nightly review last night. And I didn't want to do the 10 step. I didn't want to do this and everything. And it's, we might not want to, but we have to, to prevent the relapse. And it's people like you and other people that come on to share that experience, strength, and hope of this is what happened to me. You can do this to prevent that. I know that's so straightforward, but it just really touched me tonight. And I also have um, a second question on step nine for you. You talked about a wonderful experience that you had with um, your previous sister-in-law, which I think is great. Do you have any experience, strength, and hope in making an amends with someone when it didn't go the way you expected it to go, um, either combative or the relationship, they didn't want to repair it the same way. Just curious. Hmm. Um, you know, I can't actually think, I can't personally think of any but I will, um, I can share, like anonymously share a story of one of my sponsees who um, went to make an amends from someone and insisted that they meet in person for the amends, which is a brave thing to do. And the woman did not even let her get through her letter. It was a um, an explosive coffee shop afternoon, probably, you know, would have made for some great reality TV. Um, and the thing that I held her, you know, she came back and just called me and was like, it did not go well. She didn't receive it. She was full of piss and vinegar. And that happens. It happens. It happens. Well, you know, a lot of people in the world are hurting, um, and they are holding on to their hurt because it's familiar again. And so I just told her like, our responsibility is 
is our side of the street, our behavior, amending our personality to be um, more in integrity and connected to God. And that's all we can do. There's not, I mean, you've made the attempt and then if you're, then you, you turn it over in the same way that we turn anything else over that we're out, that's out of our control. Uh, I was pretty shocked that the woman agreed to meet her and then threw a fit in public. And yet stranger things, I've, I've also heard more crazy things that happen when people try to make amends. Um, and most of the time it doesn't go that way. Most of the time people receive the amends with grace, even if it's painful for them to relive, you know, hear about the stuff and, um, and you get to like actually clean it up. You know, the outliers exist, but it's most of the time it's not, it's not like crazy. Thank you. Yeah.